1: It's time to talk from the inside of sports. It's time for G-Cobb in the House with Gary Cobb and co-host Micah Warren. We'll talk to and about players, front office personnel, agents, and the newsmakers in and around sports. Now, here are your hosts, G-Cobb and Micah Warren.
0: Hey everyone,
2: uh, this is Bob Cunningham uh, filling in for G-Cobb and Micah Warren. Uh, neither of them will be joining us tonight, but uh, with me... I have Derek Pfeiffer, and he writes for me at my website at Two Minutes to Midnight Green. Derek, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you, Bob? Good, good. All right, so uh, let's dive right into this. Uh, The biggest story yesterday, and probably of the whole week, Michael Vick makes his return to football for the first time since December of 2006, oddly enough, against the Eagles. They wasted no time getting him in there. Second play of the game, he comes in, runs a little wildcat. Now, Derek, uh, before we move on with anything else, uh, what did you see from, from Vic? What did
3: you like? What didn't you like? Well, I, I saw some good things and some bad things from uh, Michael Vic, which, which you would expect after you know two years being out of football together. I I really, really, really liked what I saw when he uh, actually did drop back and actually threw the ball down the field, rather than two feet ahead of him um, on the shovel passes. Um, He looked really good standing there in the pocket. looked really calm, and you know he made a good pass to basket. The only thing I didn't like about that was kind of how immediately from his first step on the drop back, he had his eyes directly on basket. Um, You can't you can't do that too much in the NFL, or you know you're not going to go too far.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's uh, that was the first thing I noticed too. Uh, like you said, as soon as he took it, he's staring at basket and waiting and waiting and waiting. Now the waiting was actually uh, a plus of that play because with Vic uh, during his days in Atlanta, he would spend maybe two seconds in the pocket, and if something wasn't there, he was rolling out, he was running around, moving around, trying to make something happen with his feet rather than trusting his receivers. Uh, to get open, letting their routes develop, you know like a basket uh, just ran a comeback uh you, you got to let a play like that develop you got to let him run off the corner and come back, make his move, and sit down. Vic before you know the guys haven 't even made their cut, and Vic has given up on the route entirely there uh, he showed some patience and uh and was able to make a good throw now, what do you think of uh you know the, the shovel passes and and having him at wide receiver. You think that's something we're going to see a whole lot of, or is that maybe just something the Eagles threw in, uh, you know, at a moment's notice, just just to make uh, coordinators think a little?
3: You, you know, whether or not we do actually see it in in during the regular season, um, like you said, it's something that's going to make defensive coordinators think. Like, okay, this is in their playbook. It's something. Ten run is something we got a game plan for. It. Something that might make him lose a little bit of sleep at night. And with an athlete like Vic, you always got to respect that, uh, whether you no know, matter where he lines up at. Um, uh, from the shovel passes, I love what I saw there. I saw um, it was what a four or five yard game by McCoy on the first one. Um, second one did come back on a holding call. Um, I didn't really see the hold, but then again, I didn't see Sellit the whole play. Um, now on the um on the play where he lined up out at wide receiver i really like something i really like to see something there you know maybe one or two plays in in the entire season um you know where they do actually give it to Mc, or give it to McNabb, throws it out to vic and he he takes a shot deep you know um something that it's a wrinkle in the offense something that you got a game plan for and, and and that's always a plus in in the nfl yeah
2: like you said i think i think last night was really it was to show defensive coordinators uh, a little bit of their hand, show them, hey, this is what we can do. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. We'll let you think about that at 2, 3 in the morning, Sunday morning, when you're still up trying to, to game plan for Vic. You know, and, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles went entire games and Vic never saw the field, but he's always on the sideline, has his helmet on, and he looks like he's ready to go. So that defensive coordinator is always keeping an eye. Are they sending Vic in on this play? What do we need to do? It's always going to be something in the back of their minds uh, that's going to have them work in a little harder. And I mean, you only have so many hours through the course of a week. Now you've got your normal game planning. I mean, they've already got a game plan for Deshaun Jackson, for Donovan McNabb, for Brian Westbrook. And uh, game planning for Vic is taking time away from game planning for Westbrook, game planning from Jackson. Which is going to allow them to make uh, to make some big plays, and also something I noticed they were doing with Vic is every one of those shovel passes was not just a straight shovel pa- shovel pass. He always uh, he had an option. Um, now, like the one time you saw Deshaun Jackson on the outside, uh, I think it was the very last play that Vic was actually in. Um, Vic has the option of pitching it out uh, to Deshaun Jackson, running himself. Or throwing the shovel, and you saw with Vic. I mean, he hasn't played in in almost two years. His legs weren't uh, weren't quite ready. He's probably incredibly sore, you know, doing his first uh, football running and and all that in in almost two years. Um, so that was okay. I mean, like he he probably made the wrong read on that one play. He didn't give it to McCoy and tried to run. Probably made the wrong read, but. You know, it, it was a it was a positive play. It was only for a yard, and he didn't lose anything. But uh, he probably did make make the wrong read with that. But uh, you know, it, it's a process um, because he wants to play quarterback. The Eagles want him to be a quarterback, but they have McNabb, so he's not going to be a quarterback this year. I mean, like the play to basket, he was the only quarterback on the field. McNabb was completely off the field. I'd be shocked if at any point in the year that happens at all. I mean, they're not going to take McNabb off the field. But uh, to, to hit on something McNabb actually brought up after the after the game in his press conference, he kept saying, you have to establish a rhythm first before you do something like that. It sounded like McNabb was frustrated that uh, they tried to throw Vic in there so quickly. Because, uh, you know, this is his only dress rehearsal before the season starts. He's not playing at all next week. That, this was his his one time to make his mistakes learn, and I think he was a bit upset because he couldn't get into a rhythm before they tried doing this. Uh, what do you, is, that a, is that a reasonable gripe McNabb has, or is he just venting uh, overall frustration?
3: Um, I think he's just, he's just venting a little bit of frustration. Um, I mean, he was one of the big guys in getting Vic in here. He had to have known that, that that was going to be the situation where Vic would be brought in quite often, um, since he is only allowed to play for the, the last two preseason games, and then we might not see him until, you know, week seven of, week seven of the regular season. Um, so I think he's just vending his frustration overall, um, and I know he didn't get a chance to get into a rhythm, um, but he did he did get into a little bit of a rhythm um, in the second and third quarters when Vic uh, started to see his time on the field dwindle away, um, but I think it, it it's not going to be a huge thing to worry about McNabb's been in the league what um 11 years now this is going to be his 11th um he knows what he's doing out there he can he can make plays he can get it done.
2: I uh, I'm inclined to agree and I think I think with McNabb it was a little of both. Uh I'm sure he didn't like being uh being brought off the field. Uh I'm sure he didn't like that Vic was in there so early. But uh I mean that's not going to happen during the regular season. You're not going to see Vic on the second play of the game. I mean, you're just you're not going to see it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think he w- he had to have been frustrated because the offense really didn't click in the first quarter. And that's going to happen. You don't have two of your starting offensive linemen. You don't have Brian Westbrook. You don't have Leonard Weaver. Uh, so uh, they were missing some starters, and they were they were missing some guys. So. Uh, I understand him being frustrated with that. And like you said, he, he was the guy lobbying to get Vic in there because he knows what Vic can potentially bring to this team. Now It's going to be, uh, you know, Reed and Morningwig are smart guys. They know they can't throw McNabb out of a rhythm just to, to throw in some tricksy, cute play uh, like they're playing Madden or something. So I think they understand that. But uh, let, let's move away. Towards Mike Vick for now. I think everyone's a bit tired of hearing about Michael Vick. Uh, the Eagles last night against the Jaguars, they appear to have a lot of the same problems uh, that they had last season. Third down, uh, they weren't very good. I think they were three for nine uh, with the starters in there. Uh, third down, they weren't very good. They stalled out in the red zone again. What what do you think is the is the problem on on third down and in the red zone? What can they do to fix that? What are they doing wrong?
3: Um, I, I think the big thing, and I know you hate to say this, um, that their professional athletes are getting paid millions. But I honestly believe that it's a confidence issue. Um, it's been, it, I mean, the, the goal line and third down has been an issue for two three years now, and and it's kind of it's kind of a confidence issue. Um, our offense is going in there thinking. We're not very good in these situations. It's always in the back of their mind, and the defense is coming in like, they're not good in these situations. We're going to stop them. Um, it, it all got to start in your mind and, and in practice, and, and you got to get it in your head. You're not going to be stopped on third down. You're not going to be stopped in the goal line. You're getting the touchdown. You're getting the first down. You, you, we can't be settling for field goals. Um, it's going to lose us quite a bit of games.
2: Uh, yeah, I agree 100%. I think it starts, that confidence thing, it starts with read, and it starts with the play calling, because on third and two, on third and one, um, the offensive line doesn't have that mentality of, we will not be stopped, we're going to push you three yards ahead, and our running back going to be able to just jog for these, uh, for this one yard, these two yards, or whatever it may be. Instead, you're you're taking a little bit of that away when, when the linemen are constantly uh, – dr- their first step is backwards. A lineman never wants to step backwards. They want to go forward. Reed has to start running the ball. I thought in, in the red zone last night, uh, you know, Avant makes a great catch, takes the ball down to the one, and the first thing they try to do is a swing pass. Not even a swing pass, uh, an extended lateral, which was just – it was a ridiculous play call. Uh, McNabb messed it up McCoy messed it up it was just bad from start to finish why aren't you running the ball there I understand uh, he's out and everything but uh, we're going to commercial now we'll be right back
1: your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports If you're not facing your mortgage issues, this can be the most terrifying sound in the world. It means you've fallen behind. It means hope is dwindling. It means you're another call closer to losing your home to foreclosure. Fortunately, there's hope. If you need real help and guidance, call 1-888-995-HOPE. That's 1-888-995-4673. Because nothing is worse than doing nothing. A public service announcement brought to you by NeighborWorks, the Ad Council in this station. Owen Hodge Show. Are you ready for some football? Well, here it comes. The Owen Hodge Show is bringing you the funniest hour in sports talk radio. This action-packed show is hosted by the outspoken fullback, Big Hodge, and the knowledgeable defensive back, Odie
4: The following commercial is sponsored by FeedThePig.org, an organization devoted to helping you save money. We will not entice you with messages like
5: Lowest prices in town. Dealer approved, certified
0: pre-owned. No obligation consultation.
4: Nor will we brag about our
5: Huge selection. Enormous variety.
0: One-stop shopping.
5: Everything under one roof or promise prices reduced up to 75% a sale like this can't go on forever (laughs) factory liquidation financing options available
4: we will offer no contingencies like
5: see store for details prices and participation may vary
4: legal exclusions apply (laughs) no purchase necessary or try to convince you that our product will give you cleaner tighter abs in minutes
5: perfect smile porcelain veneers freedom from those painful embarrassing
0: bunions
4: (laughs) because we simply want to help you spend smarter and save better Log on to FeedThePig.org. Find the benefits of saving for every stage of life. Brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council.
1: Your internet flagship station for sports.
4: Voice America Sports.
2: hey everyone if you're just joining us now uh this is Bob Cunningham and i'm joined by Derek Pyfer of uh two minutes to uh uh Gary Cobb and michael Warren are not on the show tonight uh scheduling conflicts so I'm stepping in taking over for tonight we were talking about uh talking about the eagles problems on on third down and in the in the red zone i had been talking specifically about Uh, That god awful uh, swing pass thing they tried to do, Uh, and just it's like I had been saying, it boggles my mind that on first and goal from the one yard line, you're trying to throw a swing pass. It just shows a complete uh, lack of confidence. You know, like like Derek had been saying, it shows a complete lack of confidence in your line to get a push in your running back to get those. Difficult yardage, and and it's it's just it's overall not it's a not it's not a good uh, mental state to have your team in in the goal line when you're going to try to pass it around. So, um, yeah, but and uh, a a key uh, guy who was missing from this Leonard Weaver. Now maybe with Weaver in there, Reed feels more confident running the ball and uh, you notice the past two games Weaver hasn't hasn't played hasn't really played uh so that that could be uh that could be a part of it i mean and everyone's excited about McCoy i'm expe- I'm especially excited about McCoy i think he can be uh even better than what Westbrook has been to be quite honest with you i think he can be that kind of difference maker but he is a rookie so uh and he is playing behind a patchwork offensive line at the moment so, I mean, you, you don't really know uh, what you have in the running game until you can get Weaver and Westbrook back on the field at the same time, which come week one, they should be back on the field at the same time. So maybe it's not as big of a problem as as everyone's uh, making it out to be. Uh, speaking of the offensive line and playing with a patchwork line, the Eagles got uh, some uh, some very bad news last night. From uh, from Andy Reid after the game, said uh, Todd Harriman is going to have to have surgery. Now, originally they thought that it was just a stress reaction. If he stayed off of it, it'd heal up, wouldn't turn into a stress fracture. He had an MRI. They were wrong. Stress fracture. He's got to have a a pin put into his foot. And uh, Reid wouldn't say anything other than you know he'll miss a few games. Was all he kept saying. So. Um, what, what do the Eagles do with this offensive line? I mean, they're you know, Andrews Andrews should be practicing this week, which is good. He could start practicing as early as tomorrow, which is good, but only, with only two weeks until the, start, until the start of the season, is this too little too late for Sean Andrews? Are the Eagles going to be able to replace Todd Harriman for these few games he's going to miss? Uh, what do you think, Derek? How worried are you or aren't you with the uh, with the offensive line?
3: Uh, you got you got to be a little bit worried when you're not when you don't have your starters out there and, you, and you're forced to put a backup in. Um, unfortunately, uh, Todd suffered an, an injury, um, oh. and it was uh, a little bit more than what we thought it was um, with the stress fracture. Um, and those stress fract- fractures aren't uh, aren't anything to play around with. Um, they could be they could uh, bother you for for your whole career there, um, but. I, I don't think we're gonna be too bad. Um, I know Sean said he's coming back. Andrew is coming back um so if we if we got Sean in there, Stacy's in there, Peter's in there and um and uh Jackson that's four out of five starters um, on the opening week. If we can get those guys in there, um, I'm pretty sure that we can have Cole or Cole or Justice someone fill in at that at that guard spot for Herman's for for maybe two, three weeks. Um, I'm confident they can get the job done there for the first few weeks, but it's not something that, that we can go uh, through a whole season uh, missing Todd Harriman's. You're, you're right. Uh, um, Sean
2: Andrews really is is the big thing for me. I think when Sean Andrews is on that line, it's, it's just a different line because when he's in there, he's a uh, high-intensity, high-motor guy. Um, you know, he's mean, and he just brings an attitude to that entire offensive line in in the same way that, uh, that John Runyon did, uh, you know, last year and and ever since 2000, when he was brought in by Reed. So I think if you can get Peters, Jackson, uh, and the Andrews brothers on the right side, if you can get them playing, uh, Nick Cole and Max Eugene Gillis have shown that they're more than capable of holding that spot down for, for at least a few weeks. You know, I mean, there are probably a dozen uh, teams, if not more, that Cole and Gene Gillis could go in and start right away. You know, either at guard or center for Cole, and at either guard position for Gene Gillis. So, I'm not real worried about them having to use them for a few weeks until Harriman's is ready to go. But with a with a with a foot injury, you don't know when he's going to be able to go. I mean, they could heal up real quick, and he could be back. Uh, you know, in two weeks, or it could really linger, and he could be gone for you know, six weeks. You just don't know. And uh, you know, the offensive line is—it's is, the only place on the field where you can have very good individual players and still not have a very good line. You have to work up that continuity. Andrews is only getting back tomorrow. Maybe he's only getting back tomorrow. He hasn't had a chance to work. Uh, With this line, now it won't be as big a deal for for Sean because um, now he hasn't ever played next to next to Stacy. That goes all the way back uh, to their younger days. I mean, as far as I know, um, Stacy didn't play high school football. Uh, He only started in college. They went to different colleges, so they've never played uh, next to each other or even on the same team. But being brothers, continuity should should come fairly easy. but Stacy is only getting back now. He hasn't had much of an opportunity to work with Jackson. Um, Peters hasn't had a chance uh, to work with whoever's going to be playing left guard there. We don't even know. It'll probably be Nick Cole. I mean, he's had a, a few opportunities, but not one time have they had the same offensive line throughout this year, and that's, that's incredibly, incredibly worrisome. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, who knows what to expect from those guys. Uh, cuts are coming up September 1st, uh, Tuesday, I believe that is. Uh, the roster's got to be uh, whittled down from 80 to 75. And there's a couple likely candidates uh, to get the ax. But, uh, Derek, do you think we're going to see any surprise cuts in this next, uh, this next wave of cuts?
3: Um, you hope not to see any surprise cuts because if it's a surprise cut, it usually means the player was performing well. Um, and, and that's just something, that, yeah, but you usually do see that. Um, uh, things I'm looking for are people. Uh, I really, really hope Brandon Gibson makes this team. Uh, he's someone that I really like at that wide receiver position. And I thought he made a fantastic catch last night, falling out, falling out of bounds there. Um, to I believe it was a third down, was it not? Um I mean that's something that you like to see, but um, I, I hope we don't see any surprise cuts of guys who have been playing well. Just just get the guys out of there that are really just a waste of the team, uh, quite frankly, right now, and 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 move on from there. Yeah, and
2: there, there's a few uh, there's a few candidates for that. I mean, the Eagles just signed uh, Curtis Gatewood, a linebacker. He's got, you know, I think two career tackles. He's probably gone. I'm not even exactly sure why they brought him in. Uh, you have a guy like uh, Charleston Hughes, uh, who is probably gone. Uh, there's some other Dallas Reynolds, center who hasn't played a whole lot. Uh, so there's there's a couple guys that'll it, usually the, this first round of cuts is uh, um, rookie free agents who they showed enough to to get a second look during the preseason. You know they were intriguing enough to the coaching staff. They said. You know, we would like to see this guy in game action. Now they haven't really made their mark, uh, so they're probably going to get the axe. I mean Trey Williams out at out at corner. He's probably going to go. Um, uh, that uh, that third fullback, Marcus uh, Marcus Millay, Uh He'll probably he'll probably get the axe. But he made a good play last night. He did, yeah, he did, and and but uh, but I don't think it's going to be enough to keep him around. I mean, yeah, Weaver's out, but they have Kyle Eckel, who they like, behind and, Weaver, and anyway. and we we have Klecko, who can even fill in at fullback. Yeah, so uh, I mean, this this kid's not going to be a real a real option for them at any point this season. Now maybe he gets another shot with a team who is thin at fullback, and maybe he and maybe he can do that. But he's not even a guy. Uh, who can line up at tailback? I mean he 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 helps on special teams a little, but he hasn't been spectacular. So he'll probably see his way out. Um so you you brought up Dan Klecko. So uh let's talk about Dan Clecko a little. Do you think he makes this team? Has he has he done enough to make the team?
3: Or do you think he loses a numbers game? Nah, that's he might just lose the numbers game, um, but uh, watching him last night and throughout the preseason, I really liked what I saw from him last night. He he's a the high motor guy, always moving, never stops moving, high intensity. He's he's all over the field at that defensive tackle spot, and that that is something that you really like. Um, whether or not that he has enough talent, um, not not spectacular talent, but it, it's one of those things where he's going to get your intensity going. For himself, and that's going to spread throughout the team, and that's something you always like. Yeah, I, I personally I like Klecko. Um, I'm
2: a fan of Klecko,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and it, it would. Uh, you know I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to see him get cut, but uh, unfortunately, I'm not sure that the Eagles will keep four defensive tackles. I mean, they like moving Howard inside the tackle, so they may keep. Uh, an extra end, knowing that Howard can play tackle as well, but uh, and and it's not something that we're
3: going to lose sleep over. I mean, is yeah. all right, but I mean, it's he's not spectacular.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's he's a good guy. You like he he's a fan favorite, a favorite in the locker room, but uh, you know when it comes down to it, he'll probably lose a numbers game. Uh, we're going to take a break, and uh, we will be back. D cop in the house.
4: Got it! With 2.8 seconds left. left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here.
1: From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything.
4: Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports.
1: Discover the world's only speed training program that guarantees your athletes have their best season ever or your money back. No questions asked. Let's face it, the best athletes on any team in any sport are the fastest athletes. The team with the most speed is almost always going to be more successful. The fact that you're listening to this right now tells me that you know this is true and that your athletes are not as fast as you want them to be. But how do you make them faster? After all, like many coaches, maybe you were told that you can't teach speed. That an athlete is either born with it or they're not. Right? Wrong. Arguably the biggest myth in all of sports is that you can't teach speed or coach athletes to new levels of athletic success and performance. The level of success your athletes experience has little to do with running plays or specific ball skills. Instead, it depends entirely on your ability to teach them the one skill required to dominate every sport. Speed. Put Latif Thomas. And his team to work for you. Visit CompleteSpeedTraining.com or call toll free 877 510 3278. That's 877 510 FAST.
5: There has never been a better time to become a videographer in the sport of hunting. And right now, you can combine everything you love about hunting with a career in television. And you can learn it at home with Brock Ray's Outdoor Videography School. Hunter and TV personality, Brock Ray, has put together a course taught by TV professionals. And it all comes to you in a six-DVD home set that lets you learn about this lucrative occupation on your own time. Now, get paid for the hunts you shoot. That's right, when you purchase the home study course and learn our techniques... You can submit your video to us, and if it gets chosen, your segment might appear on our nationally televised, Better Built's World of Outdoors. We will pay you for using your video. Call now at 205-625-5480. We invite you to visit our website at outdoorvideoschool.com. Start your career in television now.
1: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're joined up with G. Cobb in the house, featuring Gary Cobb and co-host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll free. 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Gary Cobb at aol dot com remember two R's and two B's in that name now back to G Cobb in the house
2: hey everyone uh, this is Bob Cunningham with you, and I am joined by Derek Pfeiffer of two minutes dot com filling in for Gary Cobb and Michael Warren tonight as uh, they are unable to make it so uh, we're just talking to some Eagles here and uh, I'd like to talk about um the Eagles running back uh, position here. Now, Westbrook, obviously the number one guy. Uh, McCoy, obviously, is going to be his backup guy. Uh, you know, there's really no debate about that. But the third spot is totally up in the air between Lorenzo Booker and Eldra Buckley. Now, before this preseason started, Eagles fans had no idea who Eldra Buckley was. Let's be honest, no one knew who Eldra Buckley was. But, you know, he's uh, he's made some plays in preseason, and so has Booker. At this point, who do you think is the favorite to win that job, and
3: who should win the job? I think it's really up in the air right now. Uh, they've both made uh, their fair share of plays, I know. Know them. they both bring different styles um, to the game, and I know Andy Reid, uh, obviously with McCoy and Westbrook, he loves his shifty backs who can make make catches out of the out of the backfield, which is why we traded for uh, Lorenzo Booker, the fourth round pick that we gave up for him. Um, so I mean I might be more inclined to say Booker just because we gave up a fourth round pick to get the guy in there, um, but uh, Buckley is a nice change of pace back. Um, he, he's not slow by any means, but he will he will put his shoulder down, and you know he'll play tough, um, which which is probably something that the Eagles need in in their backfield. Um like we said, we struggle on, on third down, and it, it's all mentality. There, um, we yeah. It's so something you got to uh, put your shoulder down and, so, and just just deliver a hit. Yeah, oh.
2: if, I I think um, if the Eagles hadn't given up that pick uh, for Booker, I think I would find myself leaning towards Eldra Buckley a whole lot more than what I am right now. You know, I'd say maybe 60, 40 in favor of, of Buckley because Buckley, he's shown a little bit more on offense and he's, um, he's shown, he's shown more on special teams. So, uh, you know, he's made some good special teams tackles, uh, yeah, so, man, it's it's really tough to say. I mean, you just have no idea what Reed is going to do. He can come out of left field on you, and uh, uh, yeah. you know, would anyone be surprised if he kept both or didn't keep either of them? I just I have no idea. I would lean towards towards Buckley at this point, uh, just because
3: he's made more plays. Yeah, I'm I'm inclined to lead towards Buckley. It's just it's just like you said that, that fourth round pick and a fourth round pick is just not something you throw around in mm-hmm. the NFL. You you can get some good guys at that in that round. So,
2: but the thing that has me, you know, as soon as I think Booker safe, he was a fourth round pick was given up for him. He's more reads back. I think you know Tony Hunt was drafted in the third round. Reed he's made no qualms about getting rid of him. Uh, Ryan Moats drafted in the third round. Reed decided Moats couldn't play. Moats was gone. So as much as Reed uh, I mean obviously no one likes to to cut your own draft picks, but if he feels like he must because there's a guy who's on that roster who's better than him, he'll do it. Um, so Booker he may have played his his last game. And actually I think uh I think the fourth preseason game um, is going to be big because uh, I don't see either one of them going in the first round of cuts here, uh, and I don't I don't think McCoy is going to play a whole lot. Uh-huh. So, so I think that'll be a, a a giveaway there. Whoever plays better in that fourth preseason game probably gets the roster spot. Uh, uh, going to the to the wide receivers for a little bit again. Uh, there was a report out earlier this week on philly.com that uh, two teams confirmed, the Jets and Ravens, and maybe even a few other teams, are watching the Eagles receivers position. Now, how often do you hear that? Teams are actually looking at maybe trading for or picking up uh, a a castaway from this Eagles receiver squad. More than likely, one of these guys is going to get traded. I think the prime candidates, Hank Baskett, Reggie Brown. Hank Baskett, because he's had some experience, he's done fairly well uh, during his time with the Eagles, but he didn't have a great game last night. So uh, that he, he might be finding his way out uh, as a cut anyway. Um, Reggie Brown, obviously, has had success in the league, uh, more success than what people give him credit for. Um, I think it was 2006 he had nine total touchdowns. So I mean he was injured last year and yeah he didn't dress for the NFC championship game and all that but he's a good he's a good talent I think still. So who who do you think is more likely uh to get traded or do they even pull off a trade and does just does someone just get cut?
3: Um I mean judging off of I mean not even judging, not even bringing into account um Reggie's nine touchdown year that fantastic uh year he had I, I mean, just going off of this year alone. Reggie Brown has, has outperformed Hank Baskett, um, and, and that showed a lot in last night's game. Uh, Basket dropped two two passes uh, that he should have called. One was that fade uh, for the touchdown. I mean, that, that, that was, was bad, wasn't it? I mean, that, that's why Basket has stuck around so long. Because that's why he was on the team and, and you know, dropped that ball. That, that was, uh, I mean, that's huge because he's, he's the only guy that ball is intended for no one's no one's looking at any other receivers. all coaches' eyes are on him. They all knew it was going to him and and he failed to show up on that play um Reggie made made some some great plays down the field last night um so i mean if it does happen, I think it's going to be like like you said basket basket is the one that's gone, and I mean we're not going to get much more than i mean we're going to get a fifth rounder or later uh nothing more than that. um I don't see him going for that um or he just gets the outright cut. Team, I, I really don't see him making the team. And then, I mean, with with the other receivers we got, I don't, I don't think I want to keep him on the team. Um, I'd rather keep a guy like Gibson on the team. Um, and and that leaves us with, with Reggie. Um, I think mean, he got he got a good shot at making the team, but mm, it's just I, I don't see us keeping six receivers. I mean, who who are the odd guys out right now?
2: What do you you don't think they're going to keep? Six guys? You don't think they'll keep the uh, no. receivers? and uh, I think they'll they'll do five and and get rid of the other one. Really? You think? Uh, see, I I've thought this whole this whole time that they were going to keep six. You may very well be right. I mean, like I said, Reed will come out of left field on you. Who would mm-hmm. be surprised if he tried to, to trade both or
3: trade one and cut the other? Uh, yeah, I think I think we're going with five, which is why I'm really really worried about uh, Gibson not making this team. I mean, I, I, he's a guy I want to see make the team you know he's a rookie um so i mean i, I want to see him see what he can do as as he progresses i don't i mean he's shown flashes so i mean that's not 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 the kind of guy that has shown flashes of the rookie that you kind of just want to you know cut and get rid of um, cuz he will for sure get picked up by somebody he he'll be a need for somebody out there oh yeah absolutely like you know uh, gibson
2: putting him on the practice squad is really not even an option because he'll get picked up immediately oh yeah um but and see that that's interesting. I I hadn't even thought of them only keeping five. I've I've really thought they're they're going to keep six. Um, but you know we'll see. We you have we have no idea what Reed's thinking. I think because the receivers have been so good that uh, he's going to have no choice but to keep six, especially with the way the tight end position has really. Uh, just gone into a downward spiral. He's going to want to keep as many weapons as he can. Uh, that's just that's what I think he's going to do. But who knows? Personally, uh, my ideal situation. I'd like to see Basket get, get traded. Maybe you know a conditional uh, seventh. You know that can turn into a fifth round pick or something, depending on the amount of snaps he gets uh, and his production. Because it, I I like I said, I uh Gibson, you can't get away with putting him on the practice squad because someone will snatch him up. He's played way too well. Um Brown has shown that he can play in this league. I believe he he really can. He's had a great camp. Uh he's had a, a pretty good preseason. I think he can really he can really show up in kind of a receiver rotation. Basket had a decent camp. He's had a decent preseason. That drop last night was huge. That's that's why he stayed on this team for so long. You know, he's six foot four and that's that's what that's the play he's expected to make. You know, that's like a short yardage back, you know, a guy who's six foot, two hundred and forty five pounds getting stuffed on the one yard line on fourth down. You don't do it. That's the only reason you're on this team is to push ahead for that one yard and get that touchdown. The only reason, and not the only reason. I don't want to cut him short, but that's a huge reason that basket is on this team to make that that fade uh that make that fade pattern work. Because outside of him, they don't have anyone who could run that. Deshaun Jackson might be able to outleap a corner if he gets a shorter one on him, which you know corners are getting shorter and shorter. Uh, Jeremy Macklin's about six foot. So, I mean, you got guys who could pull it off because of their jumping ability and their strong hands. But Basket was there because he's going to uh, tower over any cornerback and make that easy for him. Uh, so, I mean, you, you just don't know. But, uh, no, talk about the tight ends for a second. Uh, actually, we will talk about the tight ends after the break on the other side. Uh, This is G Cobb in the house.
4: If you're a fantasy football lover, you need to take a few minutes to listen to this commercial. Even if you're a novice, this could be for you. Butts and Butts along with former NFL linebacker Sean Barber have revolutionized the way you'll play fantasy football. That's right. Suicide Fantasy Football is now available. Go to www.suicidefantasyfootball.com for all the details. You'll get the hot tips on this new game and find out how to win $25,000. Suicide Fantasy Football is just like the game you know and love with a little twist. There's no draft. You select a lineup every week and just about every starter from an NFL team is available to you. The catch is you only use a player one time each season. Pick Brady Tomas for the first week. Save McNabb and Peterson for the stretch run. You're the GM of your own team and you make the call. Here's your chance to show everyone that you're the smartest fantasy football player week in and week out. There's no lucky draft picks. No waiver wire moves because you're in last place. It's simple. Go to www.suicidefantasyfootball.com and sign up for a league and show everyone who's boss.
2: Hey everyone, G Cobb in the house. Uh, Bob Cunningham with you, uh, and I'm with my uh, co-host for the evening, Derek Piper from Two Minutes to Midnight That's the numeral two Minutes to Midnight Filling in for for Gary Cobb and Michael Warren, and I'm also uh, a contributor on on G Cobb dot com. So uh, we're in the we're in the home stretch of the show here, and uh, we had started talking about the tight ends and how the tight end situation is going to play out. I think it's fairly obvious. Um, Brent Selleck is going to be the number one guy. Uh, Rob Myers will probably wind up as the second guy and Tony Curtis as the three or Curtis as the two Myers as the three. But I think those are going to be the three guys who make it. Uh, Eugene Bright made some nice catches, but I don't think he, I don't think he sticks. Um, I don't think he sticks on the roster. So, uh, and then obviously Cornelius Sangram is is down for the year with that torn ACL, which was a big blow to the Eagles. Uh, uh, Derek, what do you, what do you think the, the
3: tight end situation looks like? Mm, and, uh, it doesn't look uh, too good outside of Brent Selleck. I know he he came on last year and, and showed some, some great signs of being a good tight end in this league. Um, so I, I like what I saw out of him uh, this preseason and then through training camp. Um, and the guy, um, Rob Myers, um, as you said, I, I really think he's going to be the second tight end just because of what he brings to the table. I mean, he brought similar to what Cornelius Ingram um, would bring. <clears throat> so I think I'm more inclined to say he's going to be the second tight end. I mean, he's a quick guy. He can, he can catch the ball, and, and he can still make some blocks. Um, now, Curtis is, is going to be a guy that I see more as just as a short yardage and the goal line type of guy just because of his size. And, you know, he's not really much of a pass catcher. What was he have, like, 11 catches in his, his entire career yeah for about um, 50 yards yeah um and and you know he's just that guy that's going to get it done down the goal line i mean though i know in 2007 he had three catches the entire season three of them were touchdowns i mean that that's the kind of stats that you see out of that strictly goal line type of tight end and i, I think that's what he's going to do for us
2: yeah yeah I, i'm in line to agree so or inclined to agree rather uh all right, so we can move away from the tight ends. We can talk about first-round pick, Jeremy Macklin. Uh, he's looked fairly decent catching the ball. His route running has been okay. He's obviously got some, some natural ability there. The thing I'm worried about, uh, special teams. He shies away from contact. He obviously doesn't like to get hit. Uh, he looks very timid returning kicks and punts. W- what do you think about Jeremy Macklin? Does he actually contribute on special teams this year?
3: Uh, by what he showed in the preseason he he takes us down the national special teams if anything I mean if he 's going to go out there and return um kicks like he has been and once he gets to the pile turn his back that that 's not something you want out there, not for the team or for himself uh he 's getting himself hurt uh, doing that these guys are are these guys are our own special teams because they're they 're not starters and and they 're out there looking make plays so they can eventually become starters and show the coaches They're They're flying around there with reckless abandon, looking to hit somebody coming down the field full speed. And if he's going to turn his back like that, he's going to get clocked. And, you know, that's just not something that you're going to look for, especially out of a first round pick like that. Uh, He's going to get himself hurt. You're right. Yeah. He, I mean,
2: he, I don't, I don't see him as a special teams contributor because of that. And I mean, like you said, these special teams guys are, for the most part, they're guys who aren't starting, and they're flying down the field with no other intention but taking off that guy's head, and you've got some good special teams guys around the league. You know, like a, a Larry Izzo, who he'll see next week playing for the Jets, uh, and Larry Izzo will come down. He will fly at top speed, and he will crack you. I mean, some of the hardest hits are on special teams, and some of the worst uh, moments in football happen on special teams, a la. Uh, Kevin Everett, you know that's on a special teams play. So, I mean, you, you really you got to be fearless to play special teams. And he looks like he's uh he looks like he's afraid of contact. Unfortunately, it, it doesn't look like he's going to be a special teams contributor until he can get over that. Uh, probably just have uh, Ellis Hobbs as the key kick returner, and uh, Deshaun Jackson returning punts again. Which you don't. What, like what do you remember. think about Quentin Dempse returning some kicks like he did last year? I would like to see Quinton Demps return kicks because he looked fairly decent doing it. But uh, and really, I'd like to see him become more of a special teams guy because I don't want to see him on the field uh, when it comes time to play defense. Last night, Mercedes Lewis made a catch. It was a little David Garrard pull, little uh, play fake, and he hit Mercedes Lewis. Quinton Demps comes flying onto the screen uh lunges at Lewis and just tries to nudge him with his shoulder. Doesn't extend his arms, doesn't really put his shoulder into him. I mean and you know, we've seen Doc make that hit where he comes flying into the screen, lunges, you know, doesn't extend his arms or anything, but he lowers the boom into him and, you know, knocks the guy out cold or something. Demps' doesn't he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to put his body on the line to make that big hit. Personally, I don't think he's a starting free safety. I don't see it. You've got a guy in uh, Macho Harris who doesn't seem to be afraid of contact. Sean Jones, I mean, he, yeah, he's not a natural free safety, but he'll take somebody's head off. I, I don't understand what are the Eagles thinking playing this kid who doesn't, who doesn't want to hit anyone. He's going to hurt himself. He's going to hurt the team. A, a perfect example. Uh, last year NFC Championship game, Tim Hightower going in for that game-winning touchdown. Quentin Demps didn't want to wrap him up and drive him backwards. He wanted to nudge him with a shoulder as Hightower fell into the end zone. I mean, is this the guy we want on the field as our last line of defense? Someone who is uh, who's afraid to tackle?
3: Uh, no, that's not that's not what you want um, as the last line of defense or any line of defense for that matter. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't want him on the field if he's not going to hit you in defense. Um, because that's your mind state, that you're going to go out there and you're going to hit somebody and you're, you're going to make their day difficult. Um, and that's not something he's going to do. Um, I know we, we talked about Doc. Doc was the guy, I mean, he, he suplexed people. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's pulling wrestling moves on us out there. Uh, he, he'll he'll lower, he'll lower the boom on you, and, and that's not what Demps is going to do. Demps is going to come up and, you know, play patty cake with you a little bit. But, I mean, you, you can't do that in the NFL. The NFL you got to grow up. you got to you lower your shoulder wrap up, make a solid tackle, and let them know that they're not going to have an easy job once they catch the ball, if they catch the ball.
2: And that's the problem. I mean, if he was playing corner, it, w- it wouldn't be as big a deal. I mean, you want to see your corners hit, uh, but, I mean, you have a guy like Deion Sanders. I don't think he ever made a tackle. He's known as one of the best corners to ever play the game. Now, you want to talk about a corner hitting, if Asante Samuel can keep up what he was doing last night, He's in line for another Pro Bowl. He's an All Pro. That was outstanding. He was spectacular. Fantastic night for him. Okay. Oh, that was unbelievable to watch. But I mean, as a free safety, you've got you've got to be willing to make that hit, and he's obviously not. So I don't know. But uh, see you same time next week. Uh, G Cobb in the house. Check out gcop.com, two minutes to midnight, green.com. Thank you very much. We are out.
1: Time to break the huddle. We'll be back again next Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern for another edition of G. Cobb in the House with Gary Cobb and Micah Warren. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you again soon.